Welcome back to our study of the Beatitudes. We are on the third Beatitude in this session where Jesus says, this is in Matthew 5, 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, what does Jesus mean by that? That's a surprising statement, as many of the Beatitudes are. What does Jesus mean when he says, the meek shall inherit the earth. Who are the meek? Well, first of all, the word meek is not a word we use real often, but it's synonymous with uh, humble, right? Or humility. So the meek are those who are humble. Now, that doesn't, that helps us a little bit, but not a lot, because most of the world views both meekness and humility as something to be rejected. They associate it with weakness, maybe even with servility. They don't want to be called meek. They don't want to be called humble. They want to be strong. Right? And, and most people think that the strong will inherit the earth. Right? If somebody's going to be blessed, if somebody's going to receive good things, it's those who are willing to fight for them, those who are willing to work for them. Right? Um, those are the people who are going to inherit the earth, or at least inherit the good things of the earth. That's the way most people think. But as we've noticed already, the Beatitudes turn things upside down. And the reason why is because what God values, what God says is good, what God calls us to do is often the exact opposite of what we are inclined to do according to our sinful natures. Most of what the world values and prizes and prioritizes is directly opposed to what God wants us to love and prioritize. So when Jesus says the meek shall inherit the earth, he's saying something that is in a sense quite shocking. People who have not heard the Bible, read the Bible today, if they heard these words that would probably sound odd if not crazy to them. It was probably surprising and even shocking perhaps to some of those who heard Jesus say this in the first century. This is just not the way that the world thinks. People don't want to be considered meek and they don't think that meekness is some great thing that is going to receive some great reward. But Jesus says meekness is a great thing and that there is a great reward coming for those who are meek. Now, one of the reasons why this is, um, despite what people think, is because people don't usually think rightly about humility right, and meekness. When people think of humility and meekness, as we said, they think of you know, weakness, they think of servility, but in the Bible, the ultimate example of humility, and there are lots of good ones, but the ultimate example of humility is Jesus himself. Remember that Jesus is the Son of God who took on flesh. And Paul says in Philippians 2 that um, before he took on flesh, right, that he was in the form of God, and yet he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, right? But he uh, humbled himself. He was born in the likeness of men. He, he took on the form of a servant, and he humbled himself to, and became obedient even to the point of death on a cross. So Jesus 
was the ultimate example of humility, and his humility was not born out of weakness. He was, again, before he took on flesh, is the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He'd always existed. The Son of God was in the form of God because he was God, just as John talks about in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Son of God had eternally existed, right? He had all the rights and privileges and authority of deity because he was God, the second person of the Trinity. And yet, what did he do? He did not grasp, right, all those privileges that come uh, along with being God, right? Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or something um, to, to cling to, so to speak. But instead, he humbled himself and was born as a man and obeyed the Father to the point of death on a cross. And that's how he brought about our redemption. It was not weakness, right? Humility is not the same thing as weakness. Here's what humility is. Humility is willingness to count others more significant than yourself. That's what Paul calls us to in Philippians 2. That's why he talks about the example of Christ, is he's calling the church there to do exactly that, to not um, pursue their selfish ambitions, right? but to count others more significant than themselves. In other words, to be humble. And he, again, reminds them of the example of Christ as motivation and instruction for how and why they ought to live that way, how and why we ought to live that way. So humility is not about being the kind of person who gets walked on all the time. Being humble has to do with, with recognizing um, that, uh, rec- counting others as more significant than yourself, is willing to give up your own rights and privileges for the good of somebody else. And that's what Christ did. Now, specifically here in this beatitude, what does Jesus mean by those who are meek? Well, remember, there's a, there's a progression here in these beatitudes, as we've seen and talked about, right? That it begins with the statement, blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember, the poor in spirit are those who recognize their own spiritual bankruptcy, their spiritual poverty. They recognize that they are sinful, that they are broken, that they have nothing in them to uh, commend them before God, nothing that they can use to barter with God, to buy their way into uh, His kingdom, into His good graces, so to speak. There's nothing we can do to deserve a place in God's family, in God's reign, because we are sinful, we are broken. Now, the good news is God loves us anyway. He's merciful toward us, even while we were yet sinners. The Bible says Christ died for us. But we come to recognize that spiritual poverty, that's, a, that's the first step toward even knowing and recognizing that we needed Christ to die for us so that we could be reconciled to God and have our sins forgiven. So we're spiritually bankrupt. We're poor in spirit. And as a result of that second beatitude, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. So because we recognize our our brokenness, our sinfulness before God, we mourn our sin. We mourn the fact that our sin has separated us from God. Um, we, We mourn the state that we're in and the consequences that have come as a result of our sin. And now Jesus says, blessed are the meek, because those who've recognized their spiritual poverty and those who've mourned over their sin, they become humble. 
People who recognize their poor in spirit tend not to strut. Right? Now, again, we are not perfect as Christians. Um, Jesus is not describing the perfect kind of person here. Right? We, are, we are not immune from the temptations to pride and other kinds of sin. But as a general rule, right, our pride has been broken. It's not that we never give into it anymore, but it does not characterize us anymore because what has happened is we have seen ourselves in the light of God's holiness and righteousness and we have recognized that we don't measure up. And as a result of that, we have been humbled like Isaiah when he uh, saw the Lord high and lifted up in Isaiah chapter 6 and he cried out, Woe is me for I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips. In a similar way, we have come to see ourselves in the light of God's righteousness and holiness, and we have uh, become broken over our sin. Remember last time we saw that um, this mourning Jesus talks about leads to repentance, right, turning from sin. And so now we have also become meek because we recognize that God doesn't owe us anything, that any good thing that God has given us is mercy, is grace, that we really have no place to complain about what God does or doesn't give to us or does or doesn't do for us. And uh, we have also come to recognize that we're not better than the people around us. We're not morally superior. Right? We are sinners just like everybody else. And so we have been humbled. Right? We have become meek. Again, not in the sense of weak, not in the sense of, you know, just moping around all the time and letting people walk all over us, but we have become the kind of people who resist pride and are willing to serve others because we recognize how little we deserve and yet how much good has been given to us by God. So it's the meek, Jesus says, who are blessed. Why? Because they shall inherit the earth. Now, you might hear that and think, does that really mean what it says? Are the meek actually going to inherit the earth? Is this, is this hyperbole? Is this overstatement to make a point? No, Jesus means what he says. The meek shall inherit the earth. Again, most people think that it's more likely to be the proud or the strong or the mighty who inherit the earth. Not so, Jesus says. It is the meek who shall inherit the earth. How do we know this? Why does Jesus say this? I mean, we know it's true because Jesus said it, but why does Jesus say it? And, and is this coming out of nowhere, or is this something that the Bible uh, teaches in multiple places? Well, this, this is not a new idea that Jesus is articulating, right? This, this is something that uh, is found uh, all over the Bible. It's even rooted back in the promises of Abraham. For example, in Romans chapter 4, Paul says, uh, he's speaking about the promises to Abraham, and he says, the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, Paul's saying that when God made those promises to Abraham about offspring and land and blessing, that he wasn't just promising Abraham the land of Canaan. He was really promising Abraham that one day he would inherit the world. And the Bible says that in Christ, right, we are heirs of the world. Notice uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, at the very end of that chapter, 
Paul is, uh, it says, let no one boast in men. There are people in that church who are kind of lining up behind their favorite teacher or preacher and, and getting excited about who they follow. You know, I follow Paul, I follow Christ. I follow Paul, I follow Cephas, and so on. Paul says, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world. The world or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So you are going to inherit the earth, Jesus says, if you belong to him, if you've recognized your spiritual bankruptcy, if you've mourned your sin, if you have been uh, become meek, Right? You are going to inherit the earth. How are you going to inherit the earth? You are going to inherit the earth because Christ is going to inherit the earth and you are going to inherit in Him, with Him. Right? So, for example, Hebrews 1-2 says, In these last days He, God, has spoken to us by His Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So Jesus is the heir of everything. He's the firstborn son in terms of um, privilege and, uh, and uh, position, right? He has, he's in the position of the heir, even though he's not created like a firstborn son usually is, uh, right? He's the eternal son of God, but he has the privileges, the priority of a firstborn son. He's the heir, Everything that belongs to God belongs to Christ because Christ is God. He's the Son of God. And because we belong to Christ, we inherit what Christ inherits. Paul says in Romans 8, 17, that if we are children, if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, or your translation might even say co-heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So, the meek are going to inherit the earth because the meek are those who have recognized their spiritual poverty, mourned their sin, turned to Christ, been humbled right, by their sinfulness, and also are pursuing humility as they follow Christ. And because they are in Christ and Christ is going to inherit the world, they also are going to inherit the world because they are co-heirs, we are co-heirs with Christ. One more thing we need to say about that. When Jesus says we'll inherit the earth, it's just it's another way of saying we'll inherit the kingdom. Right? Remember we said that all the blessings, I think we've mentioned this before, all the blessings that Jesus mentions in these Beatitudes are different ways of saying what the first and the last Beatitude says, which is for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you inherit the kingdom of heaven, what do you get? You get... You get to be comforted, like we saw last time. You'll wipe every tear away from their eyes. If you inherit the kingdom, if you're an heir of the kingdom, you also inherit the earth. Why? Because when does the kingdom come in its fullness? It comes at the new creation, when God makes all things new, and Christ reigns in that new creation, and guess what? We will reign with Him. Revelation 22, starting in the middle of verse 3, says, His servants will worship Him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And then listen to this. And they will reign forever and ever. Who will reign? His servants 
who will worship Him in the new heavens and the new earth. In other words, Christians. And we will reign forever and ever. We will reign with Christ. We will inherit the new creation, the new earth. And we will reign with Jesus over it. Because Jesus is in control. And Jesus has the final say about what is going to happen at the end. Right? God is still king. He is still seated on his throne. And when Jesus returns as king of kings and lord of lords and defeats and banishes his enemies who have refused to repent once and for all and establishes the new creation, the new heavens, and the new earth, those who inherit that new heavens and new earth, those who reign with him in that new heavens and new earth, will not be those who lived their lives in arrogant pride. They will not be those who used their strength and their power and their influence to trample over other people to get what they want. It will not be those who spent their lives thinking that they were more important than everybody else. Those who will inherit the kingdom of God, those who will reign with Christ in the new creation, will be those who recognized that they were sinners before God, that they were not morally superior to other people, that they were in need of God's mercy and God's grace, and who became humbled before God because of their sin, and humble in the way they treated others because they were following Christ, and because they recognized that they were in need of grace. And just as Christ served them and even gave up his life for them, they sought in imitation of Christ to serve others. Those are the people, Jesus said, who are blessed and who will inherit the earth. If that's not you yet, there's time to repent and turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. But those who refuse to repent of, leaving, of living that way in pride and arrogance and selfishness, they will not be in the kingdom. Only those who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy, who grieve their sin, who repent, and who trust in Christ and follow Him. Amen.